0: Hey, Fellowship family, it's great to have you on this Thanksgiving weekend. We're really honored to have you. Thanks for braving the freezing rain to be here with us. Uh, we're glad that you're here. You know, this is our third and final week on this whole series through the book of Nehemiah, where we consider our opportunity to help finish what God is uh, is building here at Fellowship Bible Church. We're a church really, really committed to God's rebuilding redeeming and restoring work in our city and in the book of nehemiah We've really connected with a man who had a heart for his city. That city was jerusalem And uh, god stirred in his heart to take a role in it and to build that wall Now for the past three weeks, you've heard about nehemiah You've also been called into giving generously to help finish our expansion By easter where god entrusts us with about two to three times as many people as he does on a typical weekend Now, in the past 15 years, FBC has done five different building programs, and I have been a part of four of those. When I first moved here, they had just built that church on on 17th and Indian Hills. And so much of that work there was volunteer labor. I remember two people would come in during the week and put up drywall and and, and uh, mud it and tape it and sand it and all that kind of stuff. And uh, then after uh, we started growing some more, our nursery needed a larger nursery. So we had an expansion to make a larger nursery over there. And then our student ministry started growing. We started with like six kids in my office. And Andy Vogel was our youth pastor at that time. Now he's the area director for Young Life. But uh, I remember them all crowded in my office for, for a Sunday morning. And now, uh, so we built them a two-story building. And they used the upstairs of it. And then we started the mountain program for children on, on Wednesday evenings uh, in the lower part of that. And we outgrew that area. So this was our fourth expansion this building that you're in right now and we outgrew this and now we're doing another expansion now we count it a blessing even though it's a burden to do a building program. Every time we do a building program on the offset, I'm always like, oh, no, not again. (laughs) You know, and I I get all nervous about it. And uh, especially this one, I had two going into college and I was really nervous about having any resources to help with this one. But God freed up a whole bunch of stuff with us as a family so that we could give generously here. But here's the deal. We counted a privilege that God would entrust us with people. And It's an opportunity. It's not an obligation. This is something for us to give joyfully and thankfully And and the reason we do this is really for people. We love people people that god loves People broken people like you and me who are in desperate need of the gospel And you know what we focus on buildings while we're building them. But once we move into them We're done Let's move on. Let's talk about what God has had, has us here and and it's never the end point for everything that we do Buildings are facilities and facilities facilitate ministry The end result of everything we do is God in the lives of people Many of us wonder about what are we, you know, why do we do this? Why do we do this? And we talk a lot about legacy here. Our, our vision at Fellowship Bible Church our transformed lives, leaving a godly legacy. And just as I, I look around this room, I think about some of you who, in, over the course of your adult life, you came to Christ and you're rewriting history for your family. You're now leaving a godly legacy, not necessarily the legacy that was passed on to you, but you're starting over and you're, you're, you're rewriting a new legacy in the lives of people in your family. That's something that we take very, very seriously, and, and we take a lot of celebration in, in, in focusing on. And as we look at Nehemiah, I just want to ask you, what do you think was Nehemiah's legacy? Our initial reading of this book, it's easy for our eyes to get lost in the wall. Remember that wall? That wall that was broken down in Jerusalem, the wall that stirred in his heart to go back and repair it, that wall that he appealed. Before King Artaxerxes in the Persian Empire and out of the impossible reality of that God worked God worked and had Nehemiah actually come back and he goes back. He surveys the wall He calls the people to to unite around it He calls them to to fight through the resistance that they have and in 52 days the wall is rebuilt I mean phenomenal and so it's easy for us to go. Okay end of story. Let's move on to the next book but that's not his legacy and you know what? If all we end up with as a church is a building, for Pete's sakes, we have sold God short. And we, that God doesn't build legacies in buildings. He builds legacies in lives. And that's what we want to be the focus here. This passage that we're going to go to, which are the last two verses of the book of Nehemiah, really show us what Nehemiah was known to God for. God knew him as this kind of man. And I want us to remember this because I want our legacy to be remembered uh, m- much like the legacy of Nehemiah. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 13, and we're going to be looking at ch- verses 30 and 31. Now, remember, God is the one who sees our hearts. He knows our mind. He knows our motivations and intentions. And Nehemiah was known to God by some as someone more than a wall and sometimes god uses walls to show us something greater sometimes god uses buildings to show us something greater but look what nehemiah was known for and here it is he says in verse 30 thus i cleanse them from everything foreign i established the duties of the priests and levites each in his work and i provided for the wood offering at appointed times and for the first fruits remember me oh my god for good now, let me just highlight the three things he was known to God, because this is really the reward of ministry. This is the reward of joining God in his work. Number one, he says, I cleansed. I cleansed people from everything that was foreign. Number two, I established them. And number three, I provided for them. Those three things, Nehemiah becomes kind of a type of Christ. An Old Testament picture that looks forward to the person and the work of Christ, because Jesus himself would cleanse us from our sins. Jesus himself would establish us in our faith, and Jesus would provide an offering for us, the offering of his very life, by living perfectly for us and fulfilling every requirement of the law, by dying on a cross to pay a price for our sin. And by raising again on the third day to defeat the power of sin and death in our lives. Everything Nehemiah talks about there was completely filled in Jesus. But when we join Jesus in his work, we get to be a part of those three things. The cleansing work of Christ. People established in Christ. And we actually can offer up our lives like Jesus offered up his life. We can as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to to God. And so as we look at these, let's just talk about each one of them. The first one is a people cleansed. That's the first reward of God's work, of being involved with God's work. One of the things that they did when they came around and, and realized The 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 God that they served and the God that they ran away from is when they were reunited to God at the celebration of the completion of the wall. Look at what Nehemiah says in Nehemiah 8 verse 8. It says they read from the book from the law of God clearly and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Let's just pause there real quickly. So the law was read and it wasn't just read like words. It wouldn't be like me just reading the Bible. But the Bible was read. But then they, I love that phrase, they gave the sense. In other words, it was explained to them so that in the end result, the people understood It. And that's kind of like what expository preaching is all about. Even today, it's a kind of an Old Testament picture. The scriptures are read, the scriptures are explained, and we can understand by the Holy Spirit opening up our minds to understand what God would have us do, Who the what kind of people God would have us be. And that's what happened. And when they caught it, then when they were cut to the heart of it, they started to weep, they started to cry. And that's kind of that emotional reaction to understanding God is real. God is true. God loves us. God's provided a way back to us, back to him. You know, when people understand that, there is an emotional reaction. Now, you don't want to sustain your life on just being emotional. But I've seen people, you know, connected to God, and when they really understand it, they're they're moved. It moves us. It stirs us. It inspires us. So Nehemiah gets in front of them. Look at verse nine it says this day is holy to the Lord, your God. Do not mourn or weep for the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Have you ever been cut to the heart when you really understood what God's word means to you? Have you ever been cut to the heart? Maybe Maybe even when you've been confronted and you realize, man, I have been buying a lie. And this lie has been eating my lunch and I've understood. I've tried to think of God as how many things I can do to earn his favor or to impress him when really it's a relationship on grace. None of us deserve this yet. All of us can have this. That's the heart of the gospel. The people are cleansed by Jesus. They're not cleansed by good works. Dirty people can't make themselves clean. They need something from the outside like water to wash over them. And that's what we need. We need someone from the outside. We need Jesus who came from the outside and lived a perfect life for us, died on the cross to pay the price of our sin and rose again on the third day. That's the cleansing work of Christ. But look at what else it says. It says, then he said to them, verse 10, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy to our Lord and do not be grieved. Here's that great verse for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's another thing. The cleansing work of Jesus brings into our lives is joy. Sin robs us of joy. We look in this world for joy and contentment and fulfillment. But apart from Christ, we find ourselves empty. We certainly can find little band-aids. We can certainly buy the next little gadget. We can, But it always wanes. Joy is sustained by Jesus. And when we come into the light of the gospel, when we trust his work in our lives, the joy of the Lord becomes our strength. That's what David would say when... When sin was robbed, had robbed him, when his adultery with Bathsheba robbed him of joy, that's one of the things he longed for and he prayed for. God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. That's a picture of people cleansed by God. But look what else happens in 9, chapter 2, chapter, excuse me, chapter 9, verse 2. It says, and the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. Chapter 9 is a fascinating chapter because it, it goes through the history of them confessing the history of their fathers and their forefathers in a pattern. Here was the pattern. God loved them. God was faithful to them. God was merciful to them and God saved them. And they appreciated that because he he liberated them from being slaves in Egypt. He liberated from being just spoils of the war to the divided kingdom. But once they understood his salvation, they wandered and they rebelled. And they worshiped other gods rather than the God who loved them and that was loyal to them and was faithful to them. And then they went under slavery again. God gave them over to what they wanted. God does that. We want life away from him. He gives us more life away from him. And it leads to that emptiness. It leads to that slavery, to sin. And yet the cleansing work of God in their lives, they confessed it. And they said, this is the pattern of us. And this is the faithfulness of who you are. The issue is not with you. You've been faithful. You've been merciful. You've been loving. Your loving kindness endures forever. We are the ones who have operated with faithlessness and they confess those sins. It's one of the pictures of coming back to Christ is you realize you can't save yourself. You realize and you're not dead ended by your sin. You're knocked out by your sin. Only Jesus can forgive you of that sin. And so you celebrate that. And that's what they did. Through the work of Christ, whenever we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1.9 says that. We celebrate that each month here at Fellowship We celebrate getting to be a part of people's lives who are cleansed by Christ, by the work of Christ. And it's baptism. Now, baptism does not save you. It simply is an external sign of an internal reality of a life that is washed by the work of Jesus Christ. And here's some, I've asked Wyatt to put a collage together of all the people the past 11 months who've been baptized here at fellowship. Maybe you recognize, maybe you are one of them. It's an honor and we celebrate that work as we put someone underneath the water and don't hold them there But we bring them up But when they're underneath the water, we say you were once dead in your transgressions and sin But now you are alive to god through jesus christ and we celebrate that when someone comes up We applaud and we don't applaud their lives. We applaud god's work in their lives because we celebrate We celebrate the goodness and the greatness of God. Well, I just look at these these pictures and look at um, what God is doing in their life. Some of the people you're seeing who got baptized just came back from a living water trip in Guatemala. They went there over their Thanksgiving break and they dug a freshwater well and they reached water again. Hallelujah. And water came up. And, uh, the people who were walking a mile or two or three miles a day to get fresh water now had it right close to their home and right next to a church that they were at. And so we paired physical water with Jesus, the living water. And they came back and rich, rich McKee, who once, uh, who led that trip said, man, I hope we take, and all these people were singles and our singles fellowship for singles here went on this trip and they want to do two next year. But think about this, folks, we celebrate the work of God. Nothing is greater than a life cleansed by Christ to be a part of that. And you may be critical. You may be, you know, standing and just watching things happen here. But I'll tell you, once the gospel moves from your life to someone else's and you get to be a part of that. Man, nothing is better than that reward. That's a great honor to see God work. In the lives of people we celebrate the reward of people cleansed by christ And when we're connected to those stories When you take a tour over at our at our new worship center uh, You'll receive one of these bolts And it. We ask you to think about two people in your life You're you and two Who are living far from God and and don't know that Jesus provided everything they need to cleanse them from their sin. And so when you take that tour, we ask you to write their names and pray over those names. And we write it right on the floor of that new worship center. And then we ask you to pray for them. And we ask you, we give you one of these reminders. And it's just something we found in the hardware store. Something cheap, but something to remind us that it's not just about us here at Fellowship. It's about two other people that we might know who are who are living away from the Lord, who need the cleansing work of Jesus in their lives. And I put this on my key. I'll put one of these on my key keychain just to remind me every time I'm, I'm holding my keys to think and pray for my two people. You know, and when we built this church, I remember writing my two names and one of them came to Christ. Just an awesome story to be involved in a person's life cleansed by Christ. Secondly, there's another reward, and that's that people will be established. And when we join in God's word, people, we can be involved. A reward of God is that people are established in Christ. Well, again, the law was read and people's lives were surrounded around the reality of who God was, and they were committed to growing in the word of God. Look at Nehemiah nine, verse three. It says, and they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord, their God, for a quarter of the day, for another quarter of it, they made confession and worshipped the Lord, their God. Let's just talk about that. That's half the day they're talking about. So. Just to celebrate that, since we're the 11 o'clock, we can go to four in the afternoon right now. I'm just going to read and then I'll spend the rest of the... No, I won't do that. I saw your eyes getting big. You're getting big. You got plans, right? Because we're used to the hour. We're used to the hour. Here, something was happening. God was stirring in them. They didn't want to get away from the word. They wanted to get more into the word and establish their lives on the word of God. And so they hung around longer. There's loads of distractions and many opportunities that will distract us from God's word. But here we're called to go deep with God's word, to sink in, let it sink in, not just read it and check the box that you read this many chapters and everything in your day, but also that you would understand it and confess it. Think about that. Those are the two values of your time with the Lord when you get into the word is that you might read the word. And number two, you might understand it, confess And order your life around the word. It's a lamp to your feet. It's a light to your path. That's the word of God. And you establish your life. And here's the end result. All of life is ordered around God. Look at, we see this as we continue reading in chapter 9, verse 6. Here's their confession. Let me read it to you. You are the Lord. You alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them, and the host of heaven worships you. Wow, here it is. They're just making that, that profession. Lord, the places we know about, the places we've never seen, you're over it all. You're over on this earth, in the heavens. You're over it all. You have authority, you have a power, and all of it exists for your glory. My life too, basically. My life is centered and sourced by you. And then he gave specific instructions to the people and to the priests. Look at in chapter 10, verse 39. He says, For the people of Israel and the sons of Levi shall bring the contribution of grain, wine, and oil to the chambers where the vessels of the sanctuary are, as well as the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and the singers... We will not neglect the house of our God. Look at that. We will not neglect it. See, that was the problem before. They neglected God's house. They neglected God's work to build their own homes and to pursue their own little dreams. Boy, it sounds to me like the American culture a little bit. Very distracted. And here he was calling them back and establishing them back in a relationship with God. God. I think chapter 13 really develops this because remember way back in chapter one, when Nehemiah was called and stirred to go do this King Artaxerxes, who could have lopped off his head, gave him permission to go. But he said, how long will you be? And Nehemiah said, I'll be this long, but I'll come back. Well, he rebuilds this wall in 52 days. He establishes them and then he goes back to Persia. And guess what he hears? Probably from the same people who gave him the initial report on the wall. They're straying. They're swayed by the culture and the wall. It's more than the wall. It's their hearts. Nehemiah go back. So he goes back. And in chapter 13, you just see this whole picture of tenacity of him going back and establishing and reestablishing the people. Here's what he found. Remember one of the guys who resisted the wall? His name was Tobiah. He set up shop in the temple. He lived in the temple. He profited off the sacrifices in the temple. Nehemiah went in and said, you're robbing God. Get out. And he kicked him out. And then there were priests who should have been working in the temple. They were out working in their own fields. And he said, get back in the house of God and start rebuilding it. Start start doing what God has called you to do. There were people working on the Sabbath. That was that day, that, th- that final, the seventh day, which God said, rest. But ultimately, rest in me. This will tell you that you're expendable, that you are powerless without me. This will call you into resting in me. Don't we need that day? Wow. We need time where we can just kind of just check out so we could check back in to God. It needs to be that weekly time where we worship God. It's a different day than all the other days of our life. And he called them back to stop working on the Sabbath and start celebrating God. Then there were people again who intermarried with others who worshipped other idols. And that was their downfall all along. These other people caused them to worship other gods rather than the one true God. Nehemiah called them back also. Folks, this is discipleship. This is people getting established in God's word. This is people moving away from works and their brokenness into grace and God's righteousness. This it means when you follow Jesus, there is that pattern of you repenting and turning away from your sin so that you can trust and follow Jesus. And this is daily. That's why I need the gospel. Every bit is someone who doesn't even know the gospel is because I need the work of Jesus in my life every day. When I look in the mirror, I know what thoughts and motives, I know my heart. When I look around, it's easy for me to compare and to say, oh, I'm better than that person. I'm not as bad as that person and say, God, I'm not doing that bad. But all of it denies grace. All of it denies Jesus in my life. If I could be good enough, I wouldn't need Jesus. If my good deeds could outweigh my bad deeds and somehow get in with that kind of economy, I wouldn't need Jesus. We all have sinned. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. We need to be back and reestablished with God and we're here not because we earned it or deserved it. We're here because we all need it. And a true understanding of God's grace are people who are established in God because they've had to they've realized it's the answer's not in me. It's only in Jesus. I don't know where you are. I don't know if there was one day when you were established in the word but you wandered away like Jerusalem did. Maybe it's time for you to come back. Maybe it's time for you to reestablish. Maybe you bought into the lie that you know what's best, that no one's going to tell you how to live. And you've kind of wandered and you've tethered it with that false thing of, well, I go to fellowship three times a year, but I go to fellowship. It's easy to buy into that lie that we're just connected. If we just say those words somehow magically we're in. No, you're not in because of anything you've done. You're in because of Jesus. And so whosoever will believe in Jesus shall be saved. And that's what establishes us. It's grace. That's what Paul says in, in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. He says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Folks, what the church is about when it talks about establishing is it ultimately means we're stewarding God's grace. We have the right view of it and we're calling people to it. Fall on grace every day of your life and you will always worship Jesus. Fall on your works. Jesus will be an afterthought. Establishing people. Don't you love it when you get to be a part of establishing someone else? Nothing has helped me grow more in my walk with Jesus than when I gathered around a couple of guys and we got into God's word and we just said, what is he saying to us? Nothing has helped my small group grow more than when we gathered around God's word and we started, it was tough at first, but we started sharing the teaching. Because I could be kind of intimidating if I'm in the same room with you and we're studying the Bible for you to be teaching. But our small group guys have been courageous and they started and now they're teaching me. Nothing helps us better to break down into those smaller groups and get around God's word and get established in our faith. We always want to be that church. That's providing those environments where people can be discipled to be followers of Jesus. But then there was a third reward. There was the reward of a people cleansed. There was the reward of people established. And then there was the reward of a provision offered. A provision offered. Here, in, in that chapter 13, verse 30, it says, I provided the wood offerings at the appointed times. What is this? What does he mean by that? Well, Nehemiah didn't provide for offerings. That would rob people of the opportunity to, to give uh, a sacrifice to the Lord. But he provided for the wood for that sacrifice to ensure it would continue to happen. And it says that they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. Love this passage. Remember in in Ezra when they reestablished the worship in Jerusalem at the foundation of the temple before they built the temple, rebuilt it. They started celebrating and they said "And a shout was heard all surrounding Jerusalem. Well, here's another noise coming from Jerusalem. The joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. That's what I pray for for us. That as we get to be involved in finishing this new expansion, that joy would overflow from this church. It wouldn't be something we contain. It would be a a joyful expression of God's worth in our lives. Look at what it also says in chapter 12 verse 44. It says, On that day men were appointed over the storerooms, the contributions, the first fruits, and the tithes to gather into them the portions required by the law for the priests and for the Levites according to the fields of the towns. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered. And then even look at chapter 13, verse 12. It says, Then all Judah brought the tithe of the grain, wine, and oil into the storehouses. Look at this. People would joyfully give to the Lord to make this happen. Do you know what? We're offering. We're offering. Now, I I want to just make things clear. We are not building a temple. We're building a building. And so the, the temple, there's nothing, there's going to be nothing significant about that building in, in uh, what that building does. But it's the God in and through us in that building. It's the God of that building that we give glory to. And so we're never going to stop with that, but we are providing a place. We are providing an offering That that won't save people, but it will provide a place for people to find and follow jesus christ Now we hope that that building's not the only place that happens But it's a place that happens Most of it. We really want to have happen when you're away from this place With your you and two That's where the gospel is called. You're called to live that out Not just come to a place and proclaim that we're called to live that out But at this point, as a church, we're making room for more. Now, think about these three, these three things. A people cleansed by Christ, a people established in Christ and an offering provided for Christ. One of our elders, Rick Tagg, put together this chart of our growth over the past 10 years And over the course, especially this month here in 2015, we've had more of a surge of people come to us. And it's kind of rare that a church would grow during a building project, but we have. God is entrusting us with more. And we're glad, we're honored to make room for them. Last week, I showed you the realities that there's 426 families that were a part of the initial move to to make room for more we have 1700 families who come on a month. And so now's an important time for us just before we start to finish it for us to slow down a little bit and say, Hey, who else wants to be a part of this? We understand every time we ask people on this, some of you can't, you're financially strapped. You're wondering where the next penny is going to come from. That's okay. That's okay. Matter of fact, we are a church where everyone will be fed. So if you're not getting a meal, you need to let us know because we have resources who can that can help you And we want to come alongside and provide food for everyone in our congregation if you're going through a difficult time Number two, there's people who won't no matter what we say no matter what we read No matter what we study. There's just people who are going to be on the sidelines and you know what? You're still welcome here because god sometimes is patient most of the times is patient and we want to be patient with you also. How many of us were resistant to something that God was calling us to do, and, and yet we're thankful he didn't judge us at that, but he let us grow up, and someday we came around and go, why didn't I catch that earlier? We'll be patient. You're still part of our family, but most of us can give. Most of us can. Really use this time to think, and if we haven't been involved yet, we can get involved. I've asked you to look at this for the past three weeks, look at this envelope, and in the flap of it, consider what you might view as an opportunity to make room. Last week, we talked about every gift matters to God, and God's not worried about an amount. He's never been concerned about an amount. He's been concerned about your heart. And I would say whatever amount you could put down there where you can give joyfully, I would encourage you to do that. We need to make room for more, and we are at the point where we're inviting more people to do that. You can also go online and fill out a form, uh, whether to start your Deep and wide commitment for the next six months or to update your Deep and wide. If you've made a commitment two years ago, we need to hear from you so that we can, we can plan. It's our goal still to open by Easter And we need to know because we'll be making decisions this week on this. Now, look, everyone look up here. Remember, this is not about money. This is about people. And we're going to move on next week. That's why I really want to encourage you. Respond to this today so that we can all move forward and have some type of direction over these next several months. But here's the deal. I never wanted to stop with a building. Every time I talk about money, it's easy for my heart rate to go up and to go, oh, no, people are going to say we're only talking about money. But here's the deal. If we don't talk about resources, needs won't won't get met around here. And um, and God won't be honored through it because that's what God is honored through giving. So we're going to always call you into that, but we're not going to do it with guilt and shame. We're going to share a vision. We'll call as many of you as the Spirit is working in. To be a part of that, and we're going to call you to do that. Before you leave today, would you fill this out and drop it in the the baskets as you leave, just so that we can plan for you over these next six months. Now here's the deal. Let me just end with the heart of it. As you give, give thankfully. Remember, that's the whole, that welled up. That's the whole value that welled up in the people as they dedicated the wall to the Lord. He arranged them look what it says this I bought the leaders of judah up onto the wall and appointed two great choirs that gave thanks give Thankfully secondly give joyfully It says that they offered sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for god had made them rejoice with great joy The women and children also rejoiced and the joy of jerusalem was heard far away If you're married and your spouse isn't excited about this Can you find an amount that both of you are excited about? Because that will make you be joyful at your home, especially this afternoon. And I'd rather have you give less, but, but be on the same page than for you to cause division in your marriage. One of you is always going to be the spender. One of you is always going to be the saver. Hi, I'm the spender. That's just me. But God has worked in my heart over the time. And we've come together and it's been a blessing. Give joyfully and finally give expectantly. Look at this last phrase of the last verse of Nehemiah. It says, remember me, oh my God, for good. And I used to think that was, God, remember me. I'm a good guy. Okay. But that's not what he's talking about. It's easy for us to think, I want to be a good guy. I want to be a good dad, good husband, good pastor. But that's not what he's talking about. He says, God, you are good. I want to be all about you. I want to advance your kingdom. I want to be about you. I want to make your name greater. So God, if you do anything through this, make your name greater. It's not about the brand of FBC in Topeka. I could care less about that. I want, and we want, ultimately, we want the glory of God in this place. This has been about our city, our heart for the Lord, our heart for the city. We give expectantly. Every time I've given... I've, I've believed and I have seen it proven over and over and over. No regrets. It's better to give than to receive. And so why would I ever want to rob you of that opportunity? See what God has blessed you with. Give thankfully, joyfully, and expectantly. Let's pray for that as we close our time. Heavenly Father, we get to be a part of what you're doing in Topeka We boldly seek you and ask for you to work powerfully in what we give, what we actually return to you because you own it all. Father, we look forward to people cleansed in Christ, people established in Christ and an offering provided for our generation and the next to find and follow Jesus Christ. Thank you for everyone you moved from fear to faith, from watching to now waiting on you to do wonderful things through us. We give to you thankfully, joyfully, and expectantly. You are the giver of all of those in life. Nothing compares to a life with Jesus. And it's with that joy that we dedicate everything that you are doing here for your glory, for the name of Jesus. And it's in his name I pray. Amen.